It'd be nice in heaven when I don't need these anymore. Pray. Heavenly Father, I need you right now, Lord. We all need you every day. I need your words to come out, Lord. I need you to speak to all of us. Lord, let today be a day that somebody hears something special, Lord, that's made out just for them. Let today be the day of salvation, Lord. It's, it's amazing that, that, you, that you love somebody like me, Lord. And it's even more amazing, your love, that, that you have salvation every day for us, Lord. Let today's message somehow, Lord, just help us, bless us, and encourage us. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so Papa, like I told you, says right here, slow down. First things. Um, you know, I'm a little extra nervous today, but that just means that the Lord's going to be here. You know, thank God that uh, you all don't have to hear me or anything I have to say or any of my opinions because you shouldn't care about what I say or anything that could possibly come out of my mouth unless it comes out of the Bible. The good news is that the Holy Spirit's here because we're two or more gathered. He's here. So if you really believe that, then you know that even through my stammering words, through my nervousness, sometimes get a little emotional, the power's in the Word. So I have to constantly remind myself that no matter what I want to convey to you all today, to just let the Word do the work. You've all heard that before, right? We all have them. We've all had them. We've all missed them. We're all going to have them again. What do you call it? Opportunities. Opportunities. Matthew 7, 7 through 8 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who's asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. You know, it's September. I love September. It's my daughter's birthday. It's, uh, we can never remember, we can never forget 9-11. Constitution was written in September. There's a story of a, of a businessman in a, in his office where there was some catastrophe going on, the alarm's going off, and uh, some people are running, some people are staying, and he sees the elevator open, and they say, hey, come on in. And other people are saying, no, you know what, this, the building's secure now, we're good. Go back to work. He had a choice. He chose the elevator. He went down the elevator, what all those folks in the elevator did not know was that the Twin Towers had not yet collapsed. They'd been hit. Even the newscasters, everybody was watching, and nobody could imagine that one, yet two, would fall down to its foundation. That elevator was one of the last elevators going down. Everybody else perished. We're given opportunities every day. The most important moments rarely come at a convenient time. It's by Erwin McManus. If I ask you to recall 
some missed opportunities. We all had them. What do you think about? What missed opportunities might you have had? I was talking to some brothers uh, the last couple of weeks, and it's amazing how you know somebody for years, and you always learn something new. We shared some of our potential missed opportunities. I know my brother Rick might have been a Marine if he made another choice. My brother Gabe might have been a police officer. Keith was going to join the Air Force. I know Milton was is a social worker at one point. When I was an 18-year-old kid, yeah, a kid at 18, I was given an opportunity to go to West Point. Accepted it all. Passed it up. Of course, 18-year-old kids, sometimes you don't think with the spirit. You think with the flesh. And those things that are attracting you to stay home are more attractive to you than what the Lord puts in front of you. But thank God that we have a Lord of many opportunities, a Lord of second and third chances. You know, when you think about opportunities, what do you think? You think about jobs, right? Or you think about, I mean, people say, oh, you know, if I would have just bought Google when it first started, you know, if I would have just bought Amazon. Or... But isn't it natural that when we think about opportunities, we, we kind of default to vocational, monetary, investments, you know, our flesh kind of hits us for a second until you realize, wait a second, there's other opportunities. It's not just about advancing our wealth or advancing ourself or what job you might do. Don't forget, the job you do is your vocation. It's not what God intended you to do. It's just, he's helping you do something, whether it be a tent maker or an attorney or, or whatever you do. That's just to pay the bills. But what is your calling? What is the Lord putting in front of you as an opportunity? Today, I want to just present to you three examples of opportunities, missed opportunities, forced opportunities, guided opportunities. The first context this morning is Matthew 19, 16 through 22, the rich young ruler. You've all heard it before. You know, it's something, it's the kind of story that disturbs most people who are well off. You know what the average income is in San Francisco? $94,230,000, depending on your job. You know the average income in the United States? It's about 76000 You can do a lot with that in Minnesota or somewhere else, just not California. You know what the average income is of the world about 9,000 some places 12,000 a year that's it so if you live in Danville for all intents and purposes you are one of the rich certainly compared to the world we're one of the 2% let's read just then a man came up to Jesus and asked teacher What good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask about what is good? Jesus replied. There's only one good. Excuse me. There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. 
Honor your father and your mother and love your neighbor as yourself. All of these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to the disciples, Truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. That's pretty scary. Thank God there's more. The disciples are a little worried too. They say, well, who then can be saved? Jesus looks at them and said, with men, that isn't possible. But with God, all things are possible. So, what was this young ruler's mistake? He had an opportunity. He had possibly the best opportunity in his life. Now, we don't know who this young ruler was. We don't know if he was a Pharisee or if he was a you know, landowner. We really don't know. The Bible doesn't say, but we know he's very rich. And like a lot of rich people, he probably loved his money or his position or his title. And God knew that. God knows our, our hearts. You know, he knows which ones... He knows what our, what our weakness is. He knows what's keeping us from knowing him. Whether it be money or hobbies or sports or sometimes you, your, your work. It could be relationships. It could be anything. Alcohol, drugs, anything. For this rich young ruler, the Lord knew it was money. Why is money an obstacle? You know, isn't it funny when we hear our testimonies? Most testimonies come when you're down, when you're going through trials. And sometimes when you're really well off and you think there's nothing wrong, you just don't seek the Lord. And that's why the Lord has a plan for each one of us. Sometimes he has to bring us to our knees. But let me go back to context for a second, and let me just emphasize a couple, a couple parts of the verses. Here's his mistake, the very first verse. He started off wrong. He says, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Isn't that just like a rich guy? You know, I got all the money, I got all the power. What do I have to do? Can I buy my way in? Can I work my way in? Can I get in by association? Do you know who I am? What do I have to do? Now, you know, when you hear the Lord ask questions in the Bible, they're rhetorical questions. He always knows the answer to everything. You know, it's like, for those of you who don't know me, 
I'm an attorney, and I often do depositions. And when somebody's going to be deposed, I have to remind them it's not a casual conversation. Every word you use can be used against you. And there's a few rules I set out so they know not to get them and me in trouble. And the first rule I always say is real simple. Tell the truth. But it's the hardest rule because we're used to exaggerating, giving our opinions. Who then can be saved? Can you be saved? The rich young ruler doesn't tell us that if you're rich, that you cannot be saved. Instead, it reminds us, and it reminds the rich young ruler, that there is nothing we can do, that we are not enough. But there's more than that. The Lord gave him the answer at first. He said, follow the commandments. But somehow he knew that was not enough. Because if he did, he wouldn't say, well, which ones? And if he followed all of them, when he said, I, I, all of these I have kept, well, then why are you asking which ones? Well, Jesus played along, and he repeated the commandments. He could have just said, oh, that's good, because I followed all the commandments. Thank you very much. I'll see you in heaven. He could have said that. But he knew. Because, see, we can lie to everybody, but you can't lie to yourself. He knew deep down inside, there's still not enough. What do I still lack? You've been better off saying, Lord, I humbly come before you. Will you forgive me for my sins? Maybe he was too proud. You know, rich people tend to be a little more proud, a little more self-sufficient. So the Lord said, basically, he said, put your money, put your money where your mouth is. Right? He said, okay, well, if you're going to keep pressing me, I already told you what it is. Keep the commandments. You want to know what you can do? Since you want to do it, then keep all the commandments. But we know it's impossible. See, rhetorical questions in the Bible, God knows all the answers. Like in a deposition, I tell my clients, if they ask you something, they already know the answer. Between Facebook, Instagram, social media, and they follow you. So you must speak the truth because they already know the answer. They still forget. But see, in the Bible, when it gives us examples of the Lord asking us questions, it's not asking questions for his edification. He's asking us questions so that we can kind of have a little more insight in ourselves. Now, I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. Maybe this young ruler went home sad, and later, before he died, he had other opportunities to come to the Lord. We don't know. 
That's a missed opportunity. You know, we've all talked about the thief on the cross. I'm not going to spend too much time on that, but we know in Luke 23, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Again, another missed opportunity. What a difference between him and the other thief says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. What's the difference between those two? They both had the same opportunity in front of them. They both were thieves all their lives. They both deserved to be on that cross, as all of us do before salvation. One humbly realized that he was a sinner. The other one hurled insults. To the, to the, you know, we know those people, stubborn to the end. To their deathbed, they're stubborn. It's got to be in their terms. Now, here's one of my favorites. Instead of a missed opportunity, the Bible also gives us examples of forced opportunities where you go out and grab them yourself. Because sometimes the Lord wants you to do some of the work too. He wants you to go towards him. He wants you to find him. He's always there. I think that Luke 8, the bleeding woman. Let's read it real quick. And a woman who... And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. And immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know the power has gone out for me. Then the woman, seeing that she could no, not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Mark 5.28 has a different version. It says that she thought, If I could just touch his clothes, if I could just touch him, I'd be healed. You know that you can be healed just by touching him? And for us, not physically, with your hearts, with your minds, all you need is a little bit of Christ. Just by touching him. You know, back then, a bleeding woman was a big deal. You know, it's not like nowadays. I mean, even if they were bleeding normally without 12 years, they were usually not out in public. It was actually not clean to go out in public when you're bleeding. So she had to get the strength, the courage, and the faith to say, I'm going to get out of the house. I'm going to go even though I'm not supposed to. I'm not supposed to be in public, but I'm going to go. And in a crowded, crowded place, somehow she pushed her way through. And you know she was not strong. Because if she's bleeding for 12 years, she is weak. She's probably anemic. She's probably, I mean, it took a lot of work for her to get there. But she pushed her way through.
Are you pushing your way through anything? God's waiting to be touched by you. Whereas the, the rich young ruler reminds us that the only requisite to salvation is the understanding that we have nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it. It's all in God. And we have to come to him. This bleeding woman reminds us that the other requisite is faith. What great faith she must have had. She grabbed the opportunity. She didn't let it go by. She grabbed it. Here's another one of my favorites. It's a great example of witnessing. It's a great example of getting a little help from your friends. Matthew 9, 1 through 8. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man, lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. At this point, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat, and go home. Then the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God, who had given such authority to man. Now, what you all know, too, from the story is that this man, on his own, he was paralyzed. He probably physically couldn't have gotten to where Christ was. See, sometimes we drag friends here, right? We drag friends to ministries, to functions, anywhere that we feel they're going to be in the love of Christ. Right? You look at your own testimonies. What took you here? What brought you here? I felt I was dragged when I started coming to church. I was running away. But it takes sometimes efforts of others to facilitate it. I think it was one of the best examples of witnessing. Whoever those friends were, those are the kind of friends I want. And the Lord sees that. But see, that's not enough. Your friends bringing you to church is not enough. And there's a reason why God didn't, or Christ didn't just say, get up and walk. He didn't just say that first. He did, he just did something very important first, right? I mean, you know, you always see these TV things where, you know, you don't even know if they're real or not, but you see these people, you know, charlatans, whatever, say, you know, you're healed, you're healed, Right? Well, man does not have the power to forgive sins. Only God does. And see, the requisite here, what we're learning here, is that the requisite to this miracle, to this opportunity, 
What's the forgiveness of sins? It would not have happened if Christ didn't forgive his sins. And that's why he says, well, what's easier to do? Forgiveness of sins is a requisite to all spiritual opportunity. Forgiveness of sins is the requisite to your salvation. But the beauty of it is, there's nothing you have to do. All you have to do is accept them. All right, now I'm running out of time, so I'm going to kind of wrap it up with my last example of opportunities, my, my favorite example, which is guided opportunities. Sometimes we're so reluctant. You know, whether it be a ministry, whether it be, you know, all the men are, we're all given opportunities to do devotions on Wednesdays. When Randy first told me to come up here a few months back, I, my first inclination was to say no, but how can I? How can I say no to, to my Lord when he gives me an opportunity to do anything for him? Guided opportunities. When Moses was asked to, 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 when Moses was given a phenomenal opportunity, he wasn't much different than, than us. He says in Exodus 3, 11, he says, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to, the Pharaoh, to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? Who am I? He's going to do this huge miracle. Who am I to take advantage of this opportunity? Who am I to be able to, you know, do the ministry or, or get that job or, or, or witness to a stranger. Who am I? Nobody without Christ. Nobody without the Holy Spirit. Later on, he says, what if they do this? What, what is, should this happen? A lot of doubts. You know, the, the devil... When we have an opportunity, the Lord puts it in front of us, what's the devil want to do? Blind you to it. With what? With routine, with responsibilities, with your job, your family, your kids. There's always an excuse. There's always something. There's always something to prevent us from great opportunities. Another great quote I heard that, I'm not sure who said this one. might have been the same guy. Life is full of the mundane and the ordinary. So then why are we irritated with God when we are interrupted with great and extraordinary? I mean, I think back to my own personal life. Some of the worst interruptions in my life, like the song Taylor sings, were blessings in disguise. You know, when I got fired, 2018 I think it was, I was crying. I was sad. How am I provide for my family? Lord, why me? No, it was the Lord's opportunity. I didn't know it then, but the Lord said, Dave, you know what? I've been knocking on your door. You're not listening. You're not following what I'm saying, so I'm going to make it a little bit harder for you. I'm going to get you fired. <laughs> you can do that. Some brothers and sisters here are going through job transitions. 
Maybe different departments within the same job. Maybe a different job. Who knows? Who knows what the Lord has in store for you? But we know it's good. We know it's good. One example I'd love to give about, you all know, many of you know Carl Knott. He's one of our missionaries. I love his, his story because it reminds us that our knowledge and skill it doesn't really matter. It's more of a, of a availability to the Lord. For any of you who met Carl Knott, I asked him not too long ago, well, how, how did you come about being a minister? I'm sorry, how did it come about being a, a missionary? You know, I, I always ask that. I think part of me is because, you know, I'm afraid that someday the Lord's going to call me to, to be a missionary. And I am really scared of that. But, uh, you know, and, but we support those that, that, that are called for that. Uh, he was called for it. He, he tells me at a time where, you know, he had no idea he was going to be a missionary. He didn't even speak Spanish. As a matter of fact, if you don't speak the language, I think it's a requisite for pass. But you know what? The Lord didn't care. As somebody started giving him this opportunity to be a missionary, you know, he, he put that out there, you know, like Moses, who am I? He said, who am I? Who am I? I don't even speak Spanish. A week or two later, in front of him, another opportunity. Who is it? The opportunity of speaking Spanish. He, he ran to a, a minister who was actually teaching Spanish specifically for missionaries. English to Spanish. How can you say no to that? He took the class. He learned Spanish. Now he's a missionary in Spain. What if he would have passed that up? What if, like many of us, would have been like, oh, I don't want to speak the language. That's a good excuse. Okay, move along. What obstacles... Are you using as an excuse for your opportunity? What obstacles are you doubting that the Lord can remove? What are those opportunities in front of you today? What is your first step of faith? The bleeding woman's first step was reaching out. Okay, so here's the thing. I know I'm out of time. If you are saved... You must look for those opportunities, not the worldly opportunities that we used to before Christ. Yes, it's cool to have a good job, making money, and you know all those opportunities. But we must look for the spiritual opportunities, whether it be ministries, helping, serving. You know, sometimes it's something as simple as helping you know somebody with with homework, the elderly with with sicknesses. There's so many opportunities. Last week, my my, my wife she only has one day off a week. It's Monday. So um, she gets called by the, the school. She works at a church at a babysitting place. And they're like, we need you on Monday. I said, oh. you know, my flesh, her flesh, like, no. They, they needed her. She had to serve. So she served. And she said, okay, I'll do Monday. The very next day, the Lord opened up another opportunity. And even, something she really wanted, little things, you know, they're little to, to, to us. But the Lord knows that they're big, too. She had been wanting to be in this uh, field trip class for my boy, and she couldn't because she was working on Tuesday. Well, two things happened. One, because she worked Monday, they gave her Tuesday off, and then out of the blue, she gets an email, well, not out of the blue, she gets an email saying, hey, to all mommies, we have a slot open for a field trip on Tuesday. She hopped on like Johnny on the spot. But if she had said no to the first opportunity to serve... She wouldn't have been able to take a, that opportunity at all. I know it's a, it's a little tiny thing, but like, it's a point that sometimes you have to be willing to put something into it first. Serve first. Do something first. 
Now, here's the thing. If you don't know Christ, or you're not sure, don't be left behind. Don't be left behind the elevator. Don't go back to work, to your mundane lives, to your routines. Get in the elevator of Christ. Avoid that falling, burning building, because the world is collapsing, the world is burning. You don't want to be left behind. The one opportunity you don't want to miss is salvation. Heavenly Father, I thank you again for this opportunity, Lord, to read your word, Lord, and share it. I thank you for the opportunities ahead of us, Lord. And I know I've missed them in the past, Lord. And I thank you for opening my eyes and giving me second and third and fourth chances, Lord. We thank you for today's message, Lord, and just ask you to continue to just give us more opportunities. In your name we pray. Amen.